0: Welcome to Give and Take, where yours truly, Scott Jones, interviews artists, activists, authors, and a wide array of other thought leaders that help make our world the interesting place it is. Today's guest is Brian Durkin. He's a stand-up comedian, and he is the founder of Full Belly Laughs, which is a podcast and a website. The website is a place, kind of like The Onion, where comedians local to Philadelphia write about food and drink in ironic and funny ways. The podcast is a venue where he and other comedians play board games and talk about life and make people laugh. And he made me laugh and is a wonderful conversationalist. So and he's also a man of Philadelphia, born and bred, which of course endears him to me. I give you Brian Durkin. Brian Durkin, welcome to Give and Take. And you are actually the first guest I've had in my home studio bunker kind of Ooh. complex. So that's a, I, I was going to say that's a great, it's a great honor for me. I don't know if it's a great honor in general, but.
1: Oh, it is for me. Absolutely. It's a beautiful setup here and uh, it feels more official. Like doing a podcast with a phone, I've done that before and it's, it's not bad, but something exciting about being
0: in the booth. Can you hear like a, uh, can you hear like a phone interview i mean right like you know like that i find that like in my mind when i listen to a podcast i'm turned off if it's a phone interview in my mind if it's npr and they're i know it's a news story and they got to get someone quick on the phone like i kind of somehow i have a like jesuit like casuistry like justification of, that's okay this isn't okay but when i hear a podcaster do it, it's kind of like come on dude, Skype or something.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, I think, yeah, for podcasts, I feel like there is more, obviously more, uh, pressure on the quality being like top notch, I guess in a way. But yeah, I, I sometimes I excuse to like, I do pick and choose like which ones I like. Cause if it is like an interview like that, that first story and it's like, oh, that person must've been like really elusive to get, but they got him on the phone, you know? Uh, but yeah, like a whole show that's like just recorded over the internet, uh, Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't feel the same as yeah. that in-person chemistry, you know.
0: Yeah, and you are the host, founder, and CEO at Full Belly Labs, That's which true. is <laughs> which is a podcast. It's your brand. It's your identity. Yeah, it owns you, or do you own it? <laughs>
1: uh, both, I guess. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's my website. It's a podcast by the same name. Um, it's a humor site based in Philadelphia. So comedians write articles like a la Onion Style, but, like, about food and some games. Like, uh, because the podcast is basically, like, board game night with comedians.
0: What games have you, like, have there been board games you've played on the podcast where you guys are like, screw you, we're not going to be friends anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it has gotten heated for sure, but uh, we have not not played a game anymore because of that. That usually means it's a good game. But we try to play things that are party game-esque. There's not uh, – we're not playing Risk.
0: I was just – that's the first question because that's a seven-hour podcast. Yeah, exactly. Risk, we're, not like... uh, we're not playing
1: Monopoly. We're not playing Pandemic or, you know, like anything like that. We're playing like Scattergories or like Wits and Wagers or something like that. Um, so people might take umbrage with the answer to a trivia question or uh, when someone actually gets a point in Scattergories and they don't think that they really had the best answer. So that's usually where the fights will break out. The big fights actually break out during uh, Guess Who. Uh, this makes it sound like there's this constant battling and inviting on my show. <laughs> this is the uh, most
0: bellicose yeah. and cantankerous podcast yeah.
1: on the internet. I I promise it's actually a fun time. But yeah, the, there is uh, some beautiful moments when we're playing Guess Who. Do you remember the board game Guess Who at all? So how it works is, how you normally play is you both have a board of like 24 illustrated characters and you have like a character that you are and you ask questions trying to figure out who the person is. And it's like, is your person uh, wearing glasses? Is your person blonde? You know, like you ask all these things to like narrow it down, like who it could be and it's all yes or no. So we play that, but uh, we play so you can't ask any questions about physical appearance. So you have to like really build like a story and a... And build the character. Uh, so fights tend to break out when the answers revealed, and people are like, "What you said that person would shop at Whole Foods? There's no way! Look at them, you know, like stuff, <laughs> like stuff like that uh, will usually be uh, as controversial as we get on Full Belly Whole Foods.
0: <laughs> Howard Stern had a Bernie Sanders impersonator on, is like doing a debate with Donald Trump before the election, and he was like, uh, "I got, I did very well <laughs> in certain demographics." I got 78 uh, percent of people that shop at Whole Foods and feel guilty about it <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, bring their own bags yeah. or don't bring their own bags. Like what about the people that bring their own bags? In the Trump gears? They went to Jill Stein. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you are a comic.: Yes, and you do your podcast with other comedians. How long have you been a stand-up comedian?
1: I am comfortable saying I've been a stand-up comedian for two or three years now. I tried it, like, five or six years ago, uh, but I've been, like, doing it very actively all the time for, like, that amount of
0: time I just said. You would <laughs> never say that about, like, sex, right? Well, Yeah, right. A virgin? Well, I mean, I'm comfortable saying I've been sexually active for yeah, three yeah. years, the first couple of years in trying it didn't always go very well. Yeah. Uh, you know, now I can confidently say that, you know, it's a, you know well, I've got a high customer satisfaction. rate. Yeah. You know, yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't – if you had sex at 16 and not again until you were 20, uh, you can't be saying – you're like, yeah, I'm out there fucking. <laughs> uh, that's not true.
0: So how did you – okay. How did you – were you a funny kid in school? How long do you think you were funny? Like at what point? You grew Mm. up in in greater Philadelphia. Yes. Delaware County. Yep. For those who don't know Philadelphia, that's kind of like the Southwest. Yes. uh, Southwest. Yeah. You know what's funny about Philadelphia? People don't, people move. If your family's from Philadelphia, you move to the suburb closest to where you're from. So nobody goes from the Northeast philly to down into like media correct y- you go out to Langhorn or yardley or like we- we're currently recording in langhorne <laughs> but yeah that's just, it's just that's interesting like people if you're lifelong philly kind of multiple so are you guys multiple generations did your family start in southwest and move that
1: um oh that's a great question i'm not really up up and up on my Durkin uh, family tree but yeah uh why not i don't know are i you need- ashamed?
0: Is there something to hide? <laughs>
1: Maybe there is. That's why no one never told me. But now I think they were... Uh, I want to say that they were West Philly. Uh, I want to say, like, my dad grew up as a kid in West Philly and then, like, moved out to the suburbs. So I think, like, they moved... Like, he, he and then his parents moved to, like, Upper Derby and then, like, we... Grew up in like Havertown, you know, like the next like Moving neighborhood on up, out. yeah.
0: <laughs> to the sky, to the hard in the sky, yeah. <laughs> hey, But you moved back.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, definitely a city person. Uh, I don't. I love not having a car. I uh, I love being able to walk places. Um, the hustle and bustle, I really enjoy. It's it's very much like that uh, scene in uh, my cousin Vinny where he gets like his best rest, like in the jail when it's just, like, chaos <laughs> outside <laughs> his cell.
0: And so you and you you grew up, were you, like, or was there everybody like, you're so funny as a kid?
1: Uh, no, uh, I was, like, bullied a ton as a child and was very, like, quiet and reserved. I kind of, like, finally broke out of my shell, like, senior year-ish. Um, that's when I found, like, a nice ragtag group of degenerates that uh, I was friends with. And I had a... A great attitude of like, I'm going to stop caring about like what people think and like be in this shell, but then to a very like destructive uh, capacity, you know, like not doing things like in hindsight being like, wow, I can't believe I didn't get caught or (laughs) like didn't (laughs) die, you know, or anything else like that. So, yeah. And uh, from there, I I leveled out (laughs) and had like the right uh, combination. But yeah, as in my own friend circles and then as I got older and became more of like a social butterfly. Uh, people always thought I had like a good sense of humor. Like I, I could always chime in with something like fun to say. So that's where it
0: always kind of came from. Do you subscribe to the Chris Rock theory of bullying? Uh, ooh, refresh me. Like, you know, we need bullies. Like so the guy that cures AIDS, it's because he was bullied. feel <laughs> you know, like, like something you ever think like, thank you, bullies. I'm glad th- I wouldn't be the creative funny person and free spirit am today had you not harassed me or do you just pretty much still hate them
1: um i don't hate them like i i uh understand because bullying like rolls downhill like even though i was definitely on towards the bottom of the totem pole you know i found someone else that i thought was lower than me you know that i might like make fun of you know so it's uh it can be, like, a vicious cycle. I don't, I'm not going to – yeah, like, yeah, everyone needs to get bullied. You'll be such a success if you get bullied. Uh, you I've,
0: go find a bully. If you're not yeah. getting bullied, yeah. go somewhere where you can find
1: it. Yeah, if you uh, feel you're in need of a good bullying, I'd be happy to berate you uh, <laughs> at 99 cents a minute. But It's uh, all for
0: the children. Yeah. We're doing it for the children.
1: Exactly. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I had plenty of other issues and – Nonsense happened to me that I'm sure I would be uh, totally ripe to be a performer or a comedian. So, uh, yeah, it's um, I don't think you
0: need. So it's to, like, like when somebody's being rash, like, look, I'm going to succeed. You yeah. can stop. I'm fine. Yeah.
1: yeah now you, that's that's a hard, it's uh, a hard pill to swallow or tell a kid if that's happening to you, uh, and that's not necessarily always true. Uh, I think somehow something clicked, and I was like, I'm not going to let that. Be me or define me or shape me I think there's a lot of people out there that are that still uh that don't that get bullied or picked on and they just always stay kind of quiet you know that you don't necessarily all grow up to be <laughs>
0: something great because you got look, like all the, the victims, shit kicked out like, of you. I, look my my success <laughs> and effervescence as a person can't normalize bullying like just because it made me a wonderful yeah. dynamic person that's Thriving in the world, yeah, doesn't mean everybody's going to do that.
1: No, no, not at all. That just shows how awesome I am. You are
0: awesome. <laughs> <really>? <laughs> so, tell me about. Uh, Here is my one of my questions. Like, I have so many questions for you, but uh, <laughs> exactly, if you're ever so you are interesting. Oh, it's it. funny because I, we should say how I, I basically, you know, I do this interview podcast. I've done a bunch of interviews for previous podcasts, and I sort of started my own uh, long-form interview podcast. And I just kind of poked around the Philly podcasting. Facebook group and you have some you do have chutzpah, because I was like, anybody think they'd be a great guest? Make a pitch. And you're like, Me, I'd be a great guest. <laughs> so come.
1: Yeah, uh constantly bullied Brian would not have sent that message. So that's that's the, the growing up that has to happen.
0: Exactly. So yeah, uh one of my like it seems to me like everybody in comedy I would say like in the Philly podcasting group, everybody that posts, I'd say eighty five percent of the podcasts are either sci-fi, comic book, movie oriented. Or they're comedians. So like tell me about the Philly comic scene. Is Game of Thrones, like you know, Highlander, there can only be one. Like how will you cut the heads off of all the other podcasters <laughs> so that you rise to the top of the Philly podcasting scene so that then you can rise to the top nationally.
1: Exactly, yeah. Uh, well I do, think
0: do, <laughs> do, 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 do.
1: uh I think the secret is to realize that uh the fun thing about podcasting is it's niche. So you're, I'm not, it's so funny that you mentioned Highlander because there is a Highlander podcast based in Philly. Did you know that? <laughs> I, <laughs> there is. <laughs> I feel embarrassed that I didn't. Okay. And I should
0: have said, of course there is. Yeah. Like, of yeah. course
1: there is. Yeah. It's called Highlander Rewatched. The,
0: the show or the movie?
1: Uh, both. Yeah. They just, they, I, but I think the first the Highlander
0: movie was mind blowingly good.
1: Yeah. I, it's been a minute since I saw it. I remember enjoying that. Uh, but didn't really, it didn't, it didn't catch me to get deep into everything else, but no, they love it and they watch all the episodes and talk about them. Uh, but yeah, it's, that's a fun, that's to me like a fun Philly fact. Like, oh yeah, the, the, the national, like the Highlander podcast that all the fans listen to just happens to be in Philadelphia. Uh, but yeah, so I think there can be space for everyone. I think the problem is it just depends on what you're after and what you're trying to do. Like full belly laughs. Uh, is kind of letting people be like a, you know, like a fly on the wall to like comedians just like hanging out and playing games and just like, you know, listening on like a board game night, but it has a very like hyper local focus to Philadelphia. So it's kind of like people's way to, uh, hear what's going on in the city as far as comedy goes and discover new talent that's here that may not know yet, you know, stuff like that. Cause I'm not trying to, uh, yeah, it's not a national show per se, you know, so like this one, like, you yes, and take exactly. a national show. Exactly.
0: Uh, we did have somebody last week on from Kentucky. Um, Ooh. Uh, great, oh. great novelist. Actually, if you're, if, any, if you're into novels called the animators, um, very, very, very good novel, but, uh,
1: and I I wanna point out that uh I don't wanna belittle our the the full body laugh listeners that don't live in Philadelphia. And we, yeah, we do. I do. I do. Why? Move you move, uh, move here. You yeah. suck. <laughs>
0: I'll belittle them for you.
1: Um yeah, they uh they're awesome and I love them and uh they write in all the time when we run polls. Uh even my guests are like well, what is someone from Connecticut?
0: What you have polls like hey, it's Trump We're what are 30 what do you what kind of polls? Uh, we you? usually
1: run polls to like help drive the conversation for an episode, so it'll be like soup versus salad, chocolate chip cookies versus oatmeal raisin cookies, Jimmy's versus so sprinkles. sprinkles,
0: yeah. I grew up with Jimmy's.
1: Yeah, me too, big time. And then I found out that Jimmy's is a little suspect on uh the origin. It could be uh a call to Jim Crow, just no So it's good. a racist.
0: Well, now yeah. it's Sprinkles. It has to be Sprinkles because it's...
1: But why does Sprinkles have to be Rainbow? Is that a slight to exactly. that community? You know.
0: Do you know. think that comedy... It's interesting because, you know, I, I feel like when you when you look at, like, the 70s, right, comedy was a lot more audacious around things like race, gender, things like that. And then, and then I feel like there was a kind of censorious period. And then it seemed like we feel like Jon Stewart. So it got... A lot more honest and candid around identity, and I feel like now it almost seems like we're on a censorious swing again, where it, it, the it, you know you have uh, trigger warnings and safe spaces, and you know like it, it, is that I mean is that kind of movement in the culture good bad for a comedian? I mean like how how does this sort hmm. of sensitivity like affect how you think about um, comedy?
1: I think it. Uh, I think. My philosophy has always been to uh build your own brand. So, I'm not I will BYOB. Yeah, BYOB. Uh I would I am so happy and grateful to perform for an audience that doesn't know me. But ultimately, like I would love to ha- cultivate a large enough following where I could see them around the country all the time. And when someone, like, like when a fan, like, knows you and knows your work, I think you, like, don't necessarily run into those issues as much. Because um, they know you and they kind of trust you just from, like, being with you and listening to your show or listening to your records or seeing you live. So I think a lot of times, like, that kind of stuff comes out when someone wants to make us think about something or is, like, attacking someone they don't really know that well. Uh I'm uh, – there's so much context to everything in the world it's tough to uh, <laughs> it's tough to just in a vacuum uh, say that this person's a monster because of some update or
0: whatever uh, it's funny because there's so much context to every situation and yet yeah. there's also so much because of in the internet of social media there's so much information offered without context <laughs> yeah. be, so it's 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 interesting like it, it the 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 sort of just mass influx of information that's available to every person I and mean, no one can possibly discern. You know, oh. like, like, uh, yeah, it's a challenging...
1: No, the cha- I feel like I'm lucky when I discover outlets that disseminate information that I feel like are not trying to trick me. I'm like, that's a huge win that I discovered, you know, like uh, Vox, for example, or something. You know, like, uh, yeah, there's just so many... Because there was a while where I did some work for like a political Facebook page, and the fake news was it fake news? It, it basically, it was basically like one of them propaganda machines that just like puts out memes like every forty minutes and stuff. And um,
0: were you like, were they like, you're like, hey, I'm a funny guy. I gr- I'm great at memes. Yeah, yeah I like, think in memes.
1: Yeah, well, not the way. It's funny what it was really fascinating. What would ring with their like three million people and what wouldn't. Like, I'm the kind of, per- like, from just my perspective, I always want to make, like, pop culture references or something. But they're yeah. like, nah, no, that's not good enough. It was, like, not, it's not, like, high concept enough. Like, not enough people will get it. because not everybody- Like, even though, like, you know, the people that go to an open mic might know about True Detective. Like, some middle-aged woman that's, like, sharing this, like, you know, Hillary Clinton
0: meme is, like, not going to know what the hell you're talking about. That was a show that, like, I'll tell you what. Talk about. A shitty second season. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I
1: thought the first season was
0: like incredible. My wife and I watched it, and like it was a little slow the first episode in half, and then all of a sudden, it, it everything fell into place. And I'm like, what just happened mm-hmm. to us? Like, McConaughey. oh gosh, I mean, that was so Woody Harrelson. What the hell was the second? Season? I did I. I don't even know what it was. I think. I think for
1: my guess, my two cents is that. Uh, I think what makes the first season work really well is, like, the balance between um, Woody Harrelson's character and Matthew McConaughey's character. And I think on the surface, the season two has, like, three Rustin goals and, like, <laughs> no, like, normal guy that's, like, accidentally funny when he's, like, not putting up with him. Yeah, To, like, totally. cut totally. the air a little bit. Uh, yeah, it was just, like... Yeah, I would be watching the second season and be like, this is just... Like... Not sad that it's bad, bad, bad but it's just like, huh. I mean, it turned out to like not pay off as well as you'd hope. But I was like, wow, I just feel terrible. <laughs> and worse than the first season. Like the first season, at least like, hell, I don't know. I'm not articulating this well.
0: <laughs> no, but well, who could be articulate about that second season? There's nothing really to be said other than what the hell just happened to me and why did it happen? I mean, it's 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 strange. So do you think as, okay, so as someone who does like, a couple podcasts that are sort of talk show oriented or current events or, you know, are you speaking about yourself? I'm speaking about, I'm I'm a narcissist. (laughs) Someone who does that kind of stuff and things around values and culture and books and things like that. And does long form interviews like that. I feel like people find, I think, Oh, this is fun and funny. But I feel like some of that is because if I'm funny at all, that's a bonus. Mm. Like it's kind of like, Oh, it's fine. But I'm not really coming here like it's like a comedian or doing something but sometimes you have funny reports with people but I feel like if I was doing as a comic a podcast the standards going in have got to be incredibly high because all right it's a comic I mean come on you're a funny come on monkey boy make us laugh Yeah. yeah. is there a kind of pressure do you feel like
1: well there is now
0: yeah (laughs) come on
1: come on Uh, (laughs) no I I I just kind of feel out the show you know like I like I'm digging our conversation now it's not really like Obviously, I'm thinking about how I can be fun and entertaining, but, you know, uh, I assume people listen to the show because they want to know about you and me and whoever else it happens to be on. So it's different, I think, when you're on a comedy show. Comedy is really fickle and uh, variable-based. Like, people have to really be in the mood for, like, full-blown comedy to actually want to receive it. So I kind of like to pick my spots.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, too, because, you know, my wife, Lindy, and her sister-in-law went to... It was laugh factor or something? It was. It was recently. Um, I think it was Northeast Philly or something. And
1: oh, um, punchline.
0: Maybe I think I forget. I went in there, but they they went. It was you know, one of the kind of nights where like you have a bunch of like comics who mm-hmm. are probably not getting paid to do it, and then someone that's kind of the like, closer whatever. And like her, she said, you know what I learned is like you just have to have a standard. where, like, I heard some really funny things, but it's not like a Netflix comic that's made it like and has honed the craft and it, it, where the whole hour from one person was funny you know it's it's something like, like some people were funnier than others some people were you know, but just like if you string together the whole night i heard a lot of funny stuff so do you feel like like if i if i'm going to a comedy club like is that a fair like is is, is part of like being a good patron uh, okay. or entertaining like realistic expectations for the venue you're at
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess uh, any patron of anyone should uh, understand what they're about to see. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, if you've signed up for comedy and you have no clue who the performers are and you did no research or no research can be done about these people because they're so mysterious, uh, you should uh, treat it like, you know, this could be a mind-blowing, amazing once-in-a-lifetime experience it also could just be terrible of no fault of anyone's. They could just not be your cup of tea, you know, and you have to be OK with that. And I think that's like a hard thing. Uh, the more and more we get used to uh, Amazon Prime, <laughs> you know, like that it's 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 hard to accept because uh, there's so much choice and there's so many things out there to entertain yourself. It, it does feel like a real drag when like you take a risk on a restaurant and it like wasn't that amazing? You're like, oh, well, I could have just got my favorite meal, at my favorite place again, you know? Uh, so, yeah, as, if you're going to go to your local comedy club and there's going to be a showcase of names you haven't heard before, uh, the show ought to be good still. <laughs> uh, but w- what also can make it difficult is, you know, even though all the comics will be doing their best, like, 10 minutes, like, they're obviously different people with different styles. Uh, if you buy into, like, turning on a – Dave Chappelle special, like, you know what you're getting into. And even at the top, like, when you ease into his style, if you've, even if you've never seen him before, like, that's what the rhythm's going to be for the show. Uh, whereas, like, every 10 minutes, like, you basically just flip channels at a showcase.
0: So what's the argument for the showcase? Like, what would you say is, hey, here's why uh, this is worth seeing. Here's why it's, like, actually, you know, there is a virtue to not just Dave Chappelle. Uh, Amazon Prime, Netflix, Netflixing, your entertainment. Actually, there is a reason to go see it.
1: Sure. Live uh, first and foremost, I think most showcases uh, are going to be in like a comedy club. And I am a full believer that comedy clubs are the best way to see live comedy. I'm not knocking anyone that has gone to see Jim Gaffigan in an arena and had a great time. Like, that's obviously possible. But for me, like that low ceiling like basement, intimate room where I can like really see the person just adds something that you can't replicate, like
0: And at, do you feel at, like it's more of a shared experience too because of yeah. the room, like if like you there's an effervescence and energy that that you're experiencing together.
1: Exactly. And like comedy at its best is very cool and calculated, but you don't realize it, like it should feel like someone is just chatting with you, even though it is very like strategic. Uh, and that's I feel like way easier to achieve and feels more real when you're in that like more intimate setting. So that's one bonus for like going to a showcase. Uh, another one is it definitely will be cheaper. <laughs> you know, like uh, my girlfriend and I would love to see Seinfeld when he comes to Lang City, but we're debating if we want to sit in the last row for three hundred dollars. Uh, <laughs> you know, you go to a, a showcase; it's it's going to be uh, a tenth of that. It, like. At, at, at an expensive rate, you know, it's probably going to be like 20 bucks, maybe. So, yeah, that's a, obviously another benefit. And then to me, like, I enjoy, you know, I used to go to in, in Philadelphia, there's uh WXPN, it's like a um, member supported radio station. That's where they have like World Cafe Live and World stuff like that. World Cafe Live is
0: such a great scene Amazing. to see a show.
1: And just that venue, like, they have free concerts like every. Friday at noon, and, like, they have their own festival every summer, and, like, I would go to those things knowing nothing about the performers or the band just simply because, like, well, I trust Pen to curate good music, just like I trust, like, Helium to curate great comedy, so... I just I'm in the mood to hear. They're not going to
0: put on a complete jerk off on the stage. Exactly. Like, like, they've been vetted. Semi jerk off, but yeah, you know, like, <laughs> not a complete jerk
1: off. Exactly. Exactly. If you want to, if you want to really roll the dice on being like, I'm going to see a brand new joke that no one's ever heard before, and it's going to be amazing, or I might see some jerk off go to an open mic and watch an open mic. Uh, but if you want, uh, if you want like basically like a mini festival experience, like oh, I would go to like a one day music festival to like hear these different bands. Like that's kind of like. What a comedy showcase can feel like
0: hey I've heard that it said that actors want to be somebody else, comics want to be themselves,
1: yeah, I think that's true, yeah, I think that's totally true
0: yeah absolutely. who do you want to be when you when you're doing stand up, who do you want to be like who is it who is it that you're trying? I am trying to be my
1: most authentic self <laughs> I'm trying to like um I am trying to replicate. Me being fun and engaging and funny, like in conversation, uh but on stage, and the, it's weird because it that just whole dichotomy of you being on stage, and the only way the audience is really supposed to respond to your story or conversation or or comment is with silence or laughter. <laughs> so it's very that that dynamic is just totally different than just talking to someone, uh but there's many of jokes that I have that I perform that came out of me just being funny with my girlfriend or my friends or something, uh, but it doesn't work instantaneously. Like I have to store that idea and be like, all right, how am I going to recreate that moment?
0: Thomas Merton, who's a Catholic, was a Catholic monk and mystic and thinker. His picture is actually up there on the wall. I read mm-hmm. it. But He said, you know, there's a difference between like seeing yourself or being yourself. And he says, when you're seeing yourself, you're thinking, what are what am I projecting to other people? Mm. Versus when you're just being yourself. Is that kind of it? Like, if, if you're seeing yourself, it, 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 there's too much layer and too much filter. You've just got to try to be yeah. yourself?
1: Yeah, I think the... Um, that's very true. Uh, it's hard for me to uh, just let myself be myself. I'm very... Uh, uh, I can be neurotic, and I can be... My brain can be very um, critical of myself. So I'm... It it can be it's a blessing and a because it's it's good at giving me uh, perspective and it gives me like drive and I'm I can be like brutally honest with myself, like on what works and what doesn't work. Uh but it also can be uh aggravating to listen to and <laughs> difficult to turn off sometimes, you know, and not appropriate every moment of the day. <laughs> so Yeah. You, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh no, no, sorry. Do you like okay. So like the only entertainers I can, I think of They're in this category that, like, you've got a day job right now. You're not, you're not. Oh, yeah, no, no. You're not, not like, full-time, you know, running around the country doing shows and stuff. It seems like there's only two groups of people that you readily encounter, like the singers, right? Like, who are doing open mics and stuff like that, like, and comics. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe actors, but you don't, like, act because of plays and stuff. You just, it kind of, uh... There's not the frequency like if if you're an actor often if you're a sort of actor that's it, it were it's not your full it's not evolved in full time gigs like what's the difference between being a comic that's trying to make it and and like I'm sure you know singers who are out playing mics like do you, are, do you bond over that or is it kind of a is is it is it I, 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 like is is that your kind of are they your nemesis <laughs> i don't know like how's that
1: no not your nemesis i think if i um yeah, I have friends that are musicians that, um, you know, do things during the day to like help fill the gaps uh, when there isn't enough gigs. But yeah, it's, there's a natural affinity there because your schedule is very similar. Like you're, you're both like trying to always perform or do shows or are, you know, basically grind like on your craft and be seen and show face and stay on top of things and travel. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I am friends with the musicians and we can totally relate to that. And I've even uh, just from listening to comics, I respect and love uh, them talk about like on their podcast, they'll occasionally have like a musician on and it, you know, it doesn't surprise me that they're very close, you know? Uh, yeah, there's absolutely commonality there. And, you know, I think, uh, uh, the, <laughs> i think the only time that uh they might get annoyed is if too many comics show up to like a mixed open mic that's supposed to be dominated by music or other performing arts um but otherwise i think for the most part there's good relations there i don't know oh, i uh, i just spoke for both communities like i'm some kind of ambassador
0: i'm bringing them together I have a yeah dream that- <laughs> <laughs> I just would love to see somebody go to, like, a mixed open mic that was a fire breather and just, like, read the New York Times and, and spit fire. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a genre bender here. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, so you have a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. How long have you been together?
1: Been together for two years.
0: Is she like, look, asshole, if you ever make it, you're sticking with me. Like, <laughs> no, uh... there's a prenuptial agreement. Like, hey, <laughs> in this relationship, like... If you ever get on the road – like if you make it and you don't have a day job, you have to stay with me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. She's she's never said that because she doesn't need to. I already knew that. No. Uh, she's uh, – nah, she's super supportive, I think. Uh,
0: not that she doesn't need to because she knows why I have her uh, – yeah. you know, she has my diet infection. She knows I know that.
1: Yeah, no. She, she knows that uh, – <laughs> she knows that I'm not the kind of person that – I think I'm too paranoid of a person to even consider that an option. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I – well i guess secretly one of the things that i enjoy being in like a strong relationship now is if if and when things happen to tip for me uh i have someone i can trust and doesn't doesn't know me after the fact you know i think that's really important because
0: uh, they did they love you
1: yeah right you. i'm sure people at like a certain echelon of like power or success or money or fame like probably have like some learned paranoia of like well does this person actually like me or they just like want to hang be near me or get a piece of this so uh yeah i don't no pieces will be given out by me when i get there
0: (laughs) so uh like you're i've listened to some of your podcasts, by the way i um you guys talked about philly cheesesteaks i'm the douchiest i I love i love i love pat's I don't, oh, okay. I don't think that's douchey. Um, I like the thing is though. I don't like the whiz, and I I get provolone with with monster like a piece of stick. Like uh, John Kerry yeah. did that, and they were like, "asshole," order the provolone. You know, like yeah. I, I order a very dainty special. <laughs> <laughs> cheese. Yeah, why back. me? You
1: know. That, that that's assuming. I mean, sure, some people are going to yell at you for not getting whiz, and that doesn't count all the people that are yelling at you that you didn't go to Geno's or a place first. Geno's sucks. Yeah, no, the
0: meat is gamey. The lights are yellow. Yeah,
1: I can uh, never order because I don't speak English. So. Exactly.
0: There's the there's the kind of there's a the kind of xenophobic that <laughs> everything about Geno's I don't like.
1: Yeah, they they are beautifully orange too, uh, which is just fun. It's just very. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan. Never been. But, yeah, people take cheesesteaks really seriously. It's kind of like um, if everyone in Philadelphia is really on board and unified by Philly sports, that's how they, like, divide into separate clans, like, within Philadelphia is, like, what what's your cheesesteak place? Uh, it's pretty – and even how to order it because I love mushrooms and I really like like you know, – I even like cheesesteak hoagies. I love that, but people give me crap all the time.
0: Yeah, cheese steak, its a hoagie.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I used to work at like a pizza shop and like making myself and like toasting the bread. Like, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not like choosing to impoverish myself. Like, I'm eating it because I, I believe that it's the
0: best choice, and I really enjoy it. I'm a man of conviction. With yeah, cheese steaks. So. Trump, good or bad for politics? <laughs> like, I mean, for, for comedy, I mean, like, is he? I mean, is it? Is it like?
1: I just, I just really wish that that question ended with Trump, good or bad. Trump, good or bad? Yeah, <laughs> No, I mean, good or bad for
0: comedy? I mean, in the sense of like, because Obama,
1: he's terrible for comedy. Yeah,
0: because you know, like he, he's not
1: Obama. Trump, he's horrible for comedy.
0: Uh, yeah, but even Obama wasn't great. I mean, people didn't make a ton of Obama jokes.
1: Yeah, and they probably should have. Um, but I think like, I guess most people, um,
0: I don't know, I'm
1: not one to joke about politics. My roommate, uh, loves talking about things that are like on a national scale. That's like, I'm like way more confessional for that. And I, uh, what do you mean
0: by confessional?
1: Like, I like all my inspirations for jokes are just things that have happened to me. Like, even if the bit itself on stage is like at that point, like ninety nine percent fabricated, it came from something like in my life somehow, you know, like I'm never uh, whereas my my roommate, like he's writing very clever, calculated bits that are like tying into headlines that you've heard or things that are like going on on a national scale. I'm like, I'm like. I'm not – I wouldn't say I'm, like, uh, observational, like, Seinfeld or something, but there's, like, that inspiration where it's, like, kind of more, like, common everyday stuff that I get into. But, yeah, as far as Trump goes, like, uh, he's terrible for comedy because he, I think, is part of the reason why, like, people maybe didn't joke as much about uh, Obama. I feel like the last time people, like, severely joked about President was Bush when everyone was kind of, like, on board to, like, just – like, that was, like, a running joke. Kind of like um, Dan Quayle just being like kind of a moron because he would like mess up so much like in the public eye. So I think like because the the touchy thing is, is if like you make a great, smart Obama joke, like there's just going to be X percentage of people that now just hate you because you joked about Obama, you know, and it's like, I don't I don't want to deal with any of that nonsense. And so that's one reason why I I avoid Trump, because. I don't want to, like, polarize. I don't want to take away from, like, the performance and, like, the fun time. Like, we're here to have a good time. Like, like you know, stay on your phone <laughs> if, you want to, if you want to get in on that conversation. Uh, but the other thing is with Trump's success, uh, it's definitely really emboldened people that uh, can be very disruptive during a show. Where, like, I feel like uh, aggressive audience members are, like, absolutely on the rise, both sides. Because people are just riled up
0: do you, i mean so as a comic we just talked about a little bit you have to deal with political correctness and in <laughs> the kind of city do you think there's something to that theory that part of trump's election is a reaction to for some people to a kind of political correctness and you know they they they, they don't connect with the northeast or west coast political and cultural elite establishment and just kind of like well f you we're you know like this guy like you know he's the symbol of our resentment for being misunderstood
1: sure i mean i think that's i am sure there is a segment of people that voted for trump simply for that reason i'm not going to speak for everyone that cast the ballot for him because i'm sure there were other factors uh could have been your hatred for the other candidate could have been You know, the promise of a better healthcare. Like, I have no idea, like, uh, why uh, people vote the way they do. Uh, It really does fascinate me. I always, like, am amazed when even at, like, comedy competitions, like, just sitting in the audience and, like, listening to people being like, oh, like, this comic was so adorable and and endearing. Like, I'm going to put them number one. But they were, like, not funny. Like, you just, like, (laughs) you know, like, they were, like, one of two women that happened to be in the contest. And, like, you just think that they look cool or like you want to talk to them or hang out with them or date them, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> people, like it has nothing to do with their merits at all. Yeah, people vote emotionally. Yes. That's
0: a problem. Like a lot of times when, like people that discuss this that they, are pundits, they think in terms of ideology. Most people yeah. don't. No. It's really interesting. Um, uh, my wife and I reading this book kind of like both people at different times. Michael Lewis's The Undoing Project, which is uh, a type of Kahneman and Amos. I can't think of that guy's name. But there's these two Israeli psychologists that basically shaped everything we th- the way we think now. But all, mm. they did all these studies, and they would do these studies about just pay- people how crazy our decision-making processes are. And, like, they would have a wheel of fortune, right? And they'd spin a number. Mm-hmm. You'd spin a number, right? Like, you know, you know one, you know, 10 to 1,000, And then they'd ask people, "How many countries do you think there are on the continent of Africa?" And and without fail, if they spun a higher number, they guessed higher about the continent about how many countries in the continent. Or they they would do these things where, like, they would do these studies where, like, they would, you know, they they would, um, they would say, like, how much is, let's say, um, a bat and a ball? um, A bat and a ball together cost a dollar ten. And the, uh, I forget the, I forget the, uh, <laughs> thing. But like,
1: no, I know what you mean. It's it, like it's
0: a, uh... it's like the, together they add up to a dollar fifteen. Oh yeah, one is ten cents more, or whatever. So basically, everybody guesses the wrong number. It's like this cu- must cost five cents. Oh, uh, it's it's yeah, it's like catch a dollar fifteen. The ball is the bat is ten cents, or is a do- is a dollar ten more, ten cents more than the ball or. Or something like that. But basically, the basic math everybody gets wrong because the number 10 is said a few times. Uh, it's yeah. just associated. So, like, I just feel like when we, on things like elections, people just vote so emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you're an idiot. I mean, maybe, yeah, 40, maybe 40% maybe forty is going to vote Republican, 40% is going to, you know, the people that are kind of, I'm in my camp, but people that aren't, they're actually open minded. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a psychological shit show I mean, yeah what?
1: and it's also fascinating too because it's like if you're tracking it like I remember like the town hall debate like all the people asking questions were like supposedly undecided and I'm like if you're paying attention how are you how do you not pick a <laughs> right. side right. Like, that's people are like people like, like,
0: yeah like the two days before or three years before like Trump you know how many distinctions there are here and you're not and you're undecided <laughs> like I mean that's crazy yeah, like, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's uh, that is like mind boggling to me. And I'm like, and that is that is me not casting any like judgment on either side. Like it's like there's they were for this election. They were so different. Like <laughs> like it was not it was very apples and oranges. Like you either you like one more than the other. You need more one more than the other. Uh, so, yeah, that uh that always boggles my mind. It's crazy. But then again, like I would say I was undecided to get on there. On that, on the debate, to ask a question, so maybe it was that. You're psyched, exactly.
0: Oh, I'm gonna say, like, sure, I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what what's like the thing that you've been thinking about? Bits you weren't. They're just killing right now. or funny things you think are like? You feel like, hey, I think I'm onto something here. Mm. Like, I, I feel like this is material right now. And and why? Like, what what is it that you think is working for you right now?
1: Ooh, um, I have a. I have a joke that just like snapped into place. Like, I was just, I don't know how it just, it was, it never really works with this, but it was like a kind of like an epiphany. Um, my girlfriend is <laughs> very polite. Uh, so it kind of inspired me to think of, um, ways that she could be polite that are like cringeworthy or actually not nice, you know? <laughs> so, um, to i hope this isn't too explicit for your audience but like you know if she was uh feeling aroused uh in the joke i have her say like oh brian do you mind if i if i can touch your penis You know, <laughs> which is absurd in of itself and then like the turn that i do on it is i i respond like "Ooh, no and uh tell her uh you know, you can grab my cock, but my uncle touches my penis. You know, we (laughs) gotta, we gotta gotta keep them separated. Uh, you know, he's got one, you got the other. So I think it's, to me, it's fun to like the play (laughs) on words and, uh,
0: I'm sorry that happened with your uncle, too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's the part I'm still fleshing out. Uh, but, no uh, yeah,
0: it's uh, that's been really You're fun. Run, you grew up from a Catholic, right? Yeah, so... You, you went, my priest. I yeah, went, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: so. <laughs> yeah, depending on the, the venue. I can, No child's I can behind left. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's that's been, like, a joke that I've been really having fun with lately. And uh, it's helped me build, like, a more... Uh, it help, it's it's fun enough that it's inspired me to write like a more like a longer chunk about like my relationship or rela- that relationships in general. So, um, like other smaller bits that have to do with my girlfriend, so I can build towards that or around that and have it be like a bigger payoff or go off from there and talk about <laughs> that getting that, touched. That, that <laughs> that my, my girlfriend be hey, I need you to be a cash cow. Yeah,
0: <laughs> be a goose that lays some gold eggs, baby. <laughs> But yeah, that's... Um, Does that's, she she like that? She's like, oh, this is fun being a part of the of the show, being part of the <laughs> jokes. Or is she like, God, this is so fucking annoying. Uh,
1: if she feels a way, she doesn't tell me explicitly. I think she... I mean, she's an artist uh, as well. She's a designer. So I think she, uh, she gets that... Uh, she's very introverted, so she doesn't... She probably doesn't even like the fact that I'm talking about it right now. But uh, she she gets it. She's like... And she's definitely... Uh, there's other people I bounce my jokes off of and that I talk to about them. Like, I love talking to my roommate, uh, Jim Messina, about technical stuff and jokes I'm thinking about. But
0: uh, I feel like... I like how you just gave him a quick plug.
1: Yeah, I had to. I talked about too many times. Jim Messina. (laughs) Jim Messina. Jim Messina. Uh, I had to to give him a shout-out after using the third person too much. But yeah, uh, my girlfriend, um, she she is great to write with, actually. Like, I don't... Is she a writer? She's a designer, but um, it's nice because she – I get a perspective from her that I couldn't get from anyone else, like even Joe. Like Joe and I can talk like from a performer's like perspective or like technically like the structure of the joke. But I can like talk to my girlfriend and be like, hey, am I – Coming off as an asshole right now, <laughs> like you know, as like a, a like a citizen, <laughs> like are you just like this? This
0: is this landing. Is this making sense as a citizen? Yeah, <laughs> as a civilian in the audience, uh, like yeah.
1: <laughs> does this make sense? Uh, so she's she's fantastic for that, and uh, yeah, she's um she really helps balance me out. Like I think I would have um I know if she laughs, then my jokes are like approachable enough because sometimes you can get really like uh like hive mindy from going to open mics, you know, because uh, audience or no audience, like it's either all comics in the audience or like there is an audience plus like comics. Uh, the people that go to open mics in Philly late on a Tuesday night uh, in a basement bar, like have different sensibilities than like a, the common person, <laughs> you know, like they're the fringe left. So you can go, like go in there and, you know, make fun of Trump all day you want, you'll crush. But, like, if you take that chunk to, like, even as close as Lancaster, like, they may not want to listen to that all day because it's their night out to have a good time, you know? (laughs) So you have to keep that perspective. So that's that's what's really beautiful about, like, uh, essentially, like, writing and performing for my jokes, like, at home with
0: my girlfriend. So, like, the erosion in our country of, like, a political center, Mm. is that, I mean... I guess it makes it harder to be a comic on some level. And yet if you succeed, you're probably doing some in, – in that you have a harder – when we have these kind of polarizations and tribalized kind of th- thing. It's you know, interesting about America too, right? Is everybody feels like an exile. If you're yeah. a gun rights person, everyone – our guns are, uh, are getting right. taken away. If you're a gun control person, oh, the NRA is taking over. If you are a conservative, we're going socialist. If you're a liberal, we're going right wing. You know, if you are – uh, an immigrant, everybody's against. It. If you're, if you, if you're, uh, you know, somebody that is is white working class, immigrants are taking all our jobs. Like it's, it, every, it's funny that everybody feels like. The oh yeah, against it.
1: I am the one that's persecuted. Yeah, I'm so, like, the victim.
0: How do you, uh, how do you find where, like, because part of what I think good art does right is is through the particular reveals the universal. So something about you, even though if my jokes. If that joke is like, I mean, I heard, I heard Jerry Seinfeld say, you know, it's you well, you you know, you make this cab joke. Is, is that funny in Kansas? Because New York is funny is funny. Like I never did the drugs which are yeah. did, or grew up in the project. But funny is funny. It brings me to my universal humanity. You know? Yes. Is that – so how do you – is that the challenge? Is it more challenging the more polarized we are?
1: I think it's more challenging the more polarized you make the joke. Uh, so I think – you know, that's why uh, I like to stay away from joking about politics because – and maybe that's just like a, admitting a failure in my own comedic development because I just don't – to me, that's a very difficult dance to make a sound joke about a, a political thing where people can just laugh and have a good time and forget about the politics of it. Um you know, just like with that cabbie example, like you may not have ever taken a cab before, but if the situation is funny enough or if the joke is set up in the right way with like a beautiful left turn, like that it just makes you surprise laugh, like then that you know, that's that's what he's talking about. Like every joke should be accomplishing that. I think like depending on the subject matter, you know, like you can have like just the joke that I shared haphazardly and half assedly like moments ago. Like if you're someone that is still dealing with being touched by a family member, like you're not gonna probably be ready to receive that joke, you know. So, uh, like yeah, if you or, or maybe it'll be therapeutic. Maybe yeah, yeah, and that that would be beautiful. But I totally fully admit that like, uh, that's why that's why comedy can be really fickle. Like you have to be in the right mindset to receive it, and if you're not. I encourage you to meditate on why you feel that way. You know, maybe the subject matter, maybe something else happened in your life. Like, who
0: knows? But that doesn't sound funny. Okay, everybody. Yeah. Meditate. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Are are you not laughing? asshole. Yeah. Let's meditate.
1: Anytime, here. anytime I uh, happen to bomb, which is never, uh, I, uh, <laughs> uh, anytime the audience isn't responding, I just, I just bring them down and, uh, make them meditate well, the TM, rest of my trans-
0: set. <laughs> Transcendental meditation. Yeah, you guys are going to relax. That's yeah. why I the problem's not me. It's you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. You're too stressed.
1: No, I'll, you're the one that doesn't get me, you know, but to go back to like what you're to, what you're just asking and leading up to, like, I think that really ties into like the whole PC culture thing. Like I don't even I don't know, I feel like such a like a douchey, like almost musician man. Like, what does that even mean? But like uh the <laughs> <laughs> um I think part of that is at its surface level, the the honest good motivation behind that is like, hey, it's not nice when you say these things, and this is why. That's – and the other person would be like, oh, thank you for letting me know. I didn't know that. But I think everyone's just like so hyped up, you know, like I am sure there are plenty of situations where the person receiving that information is being a dickhead and being like, free speech, man. Say whatever I want, you know. Then I'm sure there's other times where the person delivering that message is doing it and like – a very angry way that's like making it difficult to receive you know like there uh people have given me criticisms before it may have been in you know in good heart but if it wasn't constructive it was just like then it feels like i'm getting heckled you know uh in my writing or whatever so yeah i think that i think that's the the backlash of i don't know i i, I don't know i think there's, there's an issue too with always having to be right like you just can't lose in like our society i feel like you know you have to just be like you can't like failure is so scary you know and it's like that's where you like learn the best stuff you know like i love being told why i'm wrong <laughs> it's beautiful like i that stuff i will never learn you know like if i do a if i do a joke or a whatever and it does well like I could just rest on that laurel. Luckily, I'm neurotic enough to, like, try and perfect it. But if I love when I'm at an open mic and something doesn't work because I immediately get off stage and I get to, like, tinker with it and be like, all right, what could I – like, I like get really strategic, like, war room-esque, like, mm. how are we going to – You know what you could do? How we could salvage this? Yeah.
0: You, if you really like it that much just write all shitty jokes that's true and you can just all fill the bag that's really a strategy issue. yeah and problem yeah, solve, yeah right? that's true that's true so you grew up Roman Catholic mm-hmm. it's really interesting uh, Neil Gorsuch was just uh, sworn as the Supreme Court Justice I think he is the first Protestant he's a been with we've had Ooh. in a while it was all Catholics and Jews and was, some people I mean it's interesting because it, something about I uh, get Catholics and Jews make better justice I already draw, draws people to the law I don't know but like is it funny too? Because like I think of like Catholic comedians, I can think of that are funny. A lot of Jewish comedians, think of that funny. I don't think of like, uh, hey, you, know, you see the Lutheran comics <laughs> or the Mormon. You know, oh God, I saw this Lutheran followed by one. They killed. You know, like yeah, yeah. Uh, is there is there something about like? Do you know it's like? Are there a certain kind of? Is there something about like Catholic spirituality and culture that has contributed to you being funny?
1: Sure, absolutely. I think like. Uh From my impression, because that was like the way I raised, but from speaking to other people that come from other denominations, I get the sense that, and also receiving it, the Cath Catholicism is does not uh, celebrate its faith as well. I think as other uh, denominations, like they're very, they can be very fire and brimstone. It's it's very like negative motivation versus like positive reinforcement and. Yeah, it's just, you know, I remember like an aunt of mine would, she had this thing that she would always do where she would go to confession and she'd be like, you know, she would go through those steps and be like, oh, you know, father, it's been uh, two weeks since my last confession. He's like, okay, you know, what are your sins? And she's like, well, I lied about last time I was at confession. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, uh, that that just whole, like you do what you do anyway, but then you're going to like feel bad about it because of all these rules and restrictions it's very weird and and goofy and i don't know i think it kind of spawns comedy because i, I feel like the, like a comedian is is just like even if they don't do observational comedy are just like inherently observant and like looking at something from a different angle or a bigger picture and i think that just i think uh like a
0: the catholicism can really uh, it, it's very quirky <laughs> <laughs> do you think there's something about like is the force of the religion i guess any tradition can be this way but like if it's imperative indicative versus indicative imperative so if it's imperative like do this and then you'll be loved versus yeah. indicative imperative you're loved and so you can live in the in these ways now yeah it's you know, yeah. a response to that love so it's sort of like, it's sort of like the kid yes. that grows up learning that their acceptance is a gift well then they're usually more psychological adjusted versus the, the kid that always knows that they're not quite accepted, and they always got to do better, and they always yes. it sort of just wires you for failure.
1: Yeah, I, mean. I think that wiring is is at least for my upbringing, that seems like a very like Catholic thing. It's very much like, yeah, you're uh, don't do this or you're going to go to hell. You know, type of type of motivation. So.
0: I guess Baptists do that. I maybe some lutherans i, don't know. I guess but it's uh,
1: <laughs> uh yeah i think that's just like prime to i just it's just not a, a good way <laughs> to do things um because it just can create like a lot of anxiety and then in my case like just have you stray away for too long from uh a faith because it's like well all right well i don't Agree with this rule, or I broke this rule and nothing happened. So it's like, was this whole world shamble? You now, you know. So uh, are,
0: are you still? Are you? Have you wandered back?
1: Yeah, I have. I have. I am wandering back at my own pace. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was. Uh, I was never. I would. Ne- I would never call myself an, an atheist because uh, I feel like that's just like. <laughs> I think that's like its own religion in itself. Uh, but I got to this really like weird existential place where I'm like, I guess the only thing I'm allowed, I'm comfortable in saying is agnostics. I'm like, I really don't know what to believe anymore. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I think it just de- depends on what you focus on. You know, like I am rediscovering, I think the values that stuck around as a kid from studying the Bible that are genuine and good and not Getting mixed up and tripped up in like the details, you know, it's like just getting back to like the like, just do one to others. <laughs> you should do unto me. You know what I mean? Like that, just central, those central messages that are so pure and true, you know, uh, and not get hung, not necessarily get hung up on everything else.
0: Yeah. And like the forgiveness of sins. I mean, actually, yeah. Like, if people, if somebody really accepts themselves, the good, the bad, and the ugly, they're generally not going to be a raving asshole. Like, yeah. but somebody, I'm mean, going to agree with 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 everything on on, on substantive beliefs, if if they're self-loathing i mm-hmm. i've never learned to kind of integrate the pain that we all walk around with that drives us then you know they're probably you know they're they're, they're so that learning that you know forgiving sleeping with the enemy you know the enemy yeah. within and, and and figuring out how to reconcile
1: yourself. oh absolutely cuz it's like i i feel like i grew up with this message where it's like yeah, you can get forgiveness, but you still sinned. You know, it's like you didn't really get forgiven. You're still an asshole. <laughs> yeah, you still suck. Like yeah. you still were born with original sin, so it's like you you're just donezo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you, you know, it's funny. Mark Twain I think said that in heaven there will be laughter but no humor, because humor is always built on incongruity. Like there's no joke, hey, this guy saw this girl, uh he really fell in love. Uh, you know, they fell in love and they had uh two point five kids and li- <laughs> lived in uh you know, uh, Bryn Mawr, and a beautiful house, were in Philadelphia, and they were happy ever after. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like like, <laughs> like, 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 everything is based on pain. So, mm, well, I don't think a joke has to be based on pain, or incongruity. Like, in, maybe like how life is incongruous. There's an incongruent nature to our experience, mm. right? So there are things that create anxiety, cynicism, oh sure, pain, uh, you y- 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 uh, know, frustration. Like there, are, like it's when the is and the ought don't line up. Like mm-hmm. how life is isn't how we think it ought to be. Mm-hmm. That's got to be like the matrix of humor. I mean, in some level like that. So where in the is and the ought of is like in your life, like there's pain, anxiety, guilt, you know, frustration. Where, where, where are those things that become the building blocks for things that you say that make people laugh?
1: I, for me, like my personal style, yeah. uh, I would say out of the things you listed, I guess, Frustration rings true, but I don't like that word uh, because I feel like that has like a anger connotation. And I don't I'm more like cool and casual, like, uh, you know, like I don't um, I like to point out things that I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why are we doing it this way? Why is it done that way? Um, and <laughs> uh, they just that's what I love to explore and talk about and like act out and Or like paint a scene for. And yeah, it's it's just that to me, like I just I've always had like a really low tolerance for like uh bureaucracy or like tradition like oh we just do this because that's the way we've always done it that's like
0: why like that's, that's the worst reason who do you think has a high talent for bureaucracy <laughs> like oh, i love you where, where are you going? what are you doing your deaf? i'm just going down to dmv yeah i just love bureaucracy I mean, I, what do you forget like, your license no i just like watching the people work <laughs> but i think there is a lot
1: of comfort in routine right so it's like you know that's like a probably O- overly mean of me to say bureaucracy but like it, routine and tradition Balance, and everybody hates bureaucracy. exactly but that's why it probably wasn't the right word like so saying like it's I like picking apart like routine right so like I'm I'm f- I'm working on a joke uh, it's not there yet but I saw a sign that's like for buying cars it's like some website or something and it's like uh buy a car today one dollar down right and it has an asterisk and the fine print is do at signing and it's like who, who is like furiously upset and walking out when they didn't bring a dollar like why do we need to tell people that but it just seems like that that asterisk just feels so templated from like how we usually do things and it's I don't know I've always been very um before I was very heavily into comedy I, I played a ton of strategy games and stuff like that so I've always been someone that's like looking outside of the box at stuff so that in itself kind of lends really well risk to
0: did you play risk
1: no i was way nerdier than that i played like match the gathering and like trading card games and stuff like that so i was uh, all over the country and the world uh, battling with cardboard dungeons and dragons no that was uh <laughs> that was like too communal for me at the time i just wanted to i just wanted to duel man i just wanted to face off and crush my opponent and like stick some nerds and just move on and get some cash.
0: <laughs> Dude, can I tell you a joke? hmm You can tell me if it's funny. I didn't make it up, but. It's hilarious. It's just one of my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> That's the preface. Yeah. It's just, it's just a joke I like. Okay. Says, hey, who whose joke is it? Just, I, I just heard it. I don't know. Oh, okay. Cool. Years ago, I thought it was really funny. So this guy's playing golf and he hits the ball in the woods and he's a terrible golfer and loses balls all the time. So he goes in. And he sees this little guy rubbing his head, and it's a leprechaun. He says, laddie, you got me dead rights. You get three wishes. He says, well, I don't know what I'd wish for. I'm not a creative guy. I'll give you the three standards. First, I'll improve your golf game, which you obviously need. Second, I'll improve your, your um, financial life. And third, your sex life, the standards. <laughs> Sounds great. So he goes about his merry way. But three months later, he's playing the same hole. It's 285 yard drive right down the middle, splits the fairway. Says, guys, I just want to check on some some same hole. He walks in, and the leprechaun's still there. Laddie, you're back. How <laughs> are you doing? Well, g- golf game's great. i was a scratch golfer. I just you know, split the fairway. That's great. How's your financial life? It's amazing. Every time I open my wallet, there's a new hundred dollar bill. Wonderful, Laddie. How's your sex life? I am getting it too sometimes three times a week, two to three times a week, I've lost my powers. It's like, no, that's great for a Catholic priest in a yeah, small yeah. parish. <laughs> you know that one? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. You played along. You're a Catholic. I didn't grow up Catholic. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like I mean, oh, that's great. Okay. No, that's
1: beautiful. I love, you know, that, and it's, you know, just that, that reveal, right? Like, oh, of course, like the whole time for like putting ourselves in there and it's like, oh, it's, no, it's a beautiful joke. And I, had a I, friend,
0: I had a friend tell me, you know, like certain, I'm not, it's, I'm not saying it's typical, but like, in certain par you know, you want a no-strings-attached thing, you find a priest that's kind of, that's, <laughs> quite, that's looking for, you know, maybe they're, they, they're because the chastity thing is, or, you know, being selfish, is pretty tough. I mean, I think that probably people fall on and off the wagon. Of course. Uh, I mean,
1: that, I, that's probably why it lends us, like, ca- maybe to your point earlier that Catholics uh, tend to have a natural knack for comedy because it's like. That is just so relatable and it's like, yeah, that that has to be very difficult. and (laughs) You know, obviously they have fallen off or have been falling off, you know, just from the light of news and stuff. So it kind of validates like the comedian's skeptical criticism.
0: Who do you like comedically these days? Who do you think is like the best out there? Like the people that you see, you know, that you're like, gosh, that person is so consistently funny.
1: I love Mark Norman. I think he is hilarious. Uh, he, I've seen him several times now and it just amazes me like how economical his jokes are. And then he can still surprise me sometimes, which is cool. And, uh, the last time I saw him, I like discovered that he, his jokes are very clever. Like if you listen to his album, you will have a great time. But when you see him like live, he does do these like small act outs like he just adds a little physical element that just like that punches it up just like a little bit more and like makes it like really exciting to like watch live. But it isn't like the joke hangs on his physical performance where it wouldn't translate if you didn't listen to it. So I thought like that was like a really cool thing to pick up on is like, oh yeah, like if I if I have a good joke and it and it works, like how can I like heighten it a little bit more with like, you know, just even if it's something simple like just brushing my shoulder you know like some little thing to add to it uh so he's great uh, i think he's amazing and then uh i've been really i've been getting into tignataro a lot lately uh i think uh, she just fascinates me because she's like uh she has this great like storyteller vibe and her pacing is very very cool and collected and just like calculated she kind of like draws you in like Chappelle in a way you know um Cause he's not, I you know, a lot of comedians where you can think of comedy like like, like one liner, one liner, but but oh, this guy's shirt, but but they're just so, you know, they just like somehow subtly, without really saying or doing anything specific, not like ringing a bell to get everyone quiet and sitting down, like everyone's kind of dialed in, This is really magical. Do you think
0: that's the medium too? Like, like you think of like I was watching Rodney Dangerfield on YouTube uh, a year ago or something. I forget why I was, but like. It, 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 you know when he was doing Carson, but some of that is right. It's like TV. I mean, Howard Stern was talking about when he was on time. He's like, I can never do TV. It's so boom, boom, boom. Everything's so fast. And like you know, Stern and in long form interviews. Like you know, he can talk. You know, that's what's great about Stern on Sirius. It's not the it's not the cursing and all the things. It's the he doesn't have to take commercial breaks. And we yeah. talk. Like Barry can talk for ninety minutes. Is it something like that? Where like things like Netflix and, and, and other sort of non or sort of not network media forms like allow for a narrative approach where like maybe when 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 a comic's biggest dream is 10 minutes on a tonight show you got to be kind of bada bing but you got to tweet it out i mean you kind of is it that there's things like serial like narrative things uh you know the podcast this american life you think about you know serial dramas or now if you would have told me that holly berry would go do a cbs serial drama from big screen. But now serial, you know, is it something, is it something a move in the culture that we like something to play out more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's a lot of factors to that one. um, There's, this is kind of my, well, where do I want to start on all this? So here's my theory. I think that we've kind of lost a central pop culture. Like there, there's no moment. There is no, Way for like the Beatles on Ed Sullivan to exist like in our day and age anymore, so like pop culture is like really like fractaled into all of these like niches, which then have their own like hyper niches, right? So when you g- it it encourages people to get really 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 invested in their show or their thing, and which spawns its own like fan culture and its own subreddits and its own like commentary I shows. Love subreddit is a word, right? Its own sub uh podcast you know it's like uh there becomes this like huge community around things, so uh that's really cool if I can remember what else I wanted to say about this <laughs> um yeah, it's um Sorry, can you repeat your question? I totally what? blanked. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I was just thinking about the like is it is it what what is it that, that like we're liking longer form stuff like
1: Oh, yeah. So, I think that attachment, people appreciate longer form stuff because like they're already like personally invested. But also like with no like only 3 6 and 10 as your channels, you know, like uh, with all of this choice, people want like a more personalized, like authentic experience. You know, like there are countless YouTubers that you and I and the listeners have never heard of that have a million subscribers and that's their career. They're
0: not countless. We can count them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like seemingly count, like you would be surprised how many there are
0: that you Weren't aware of. How know? do you know? I'd be surprised. Well, maybe you know. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. No, yeah. Yeah. That's it. And that's the thing. Like, isn't everybody like, I mean, how many people that are you know, podcasts or YouTube? Like, it, it is a, I mean, it's a, it's just a different, you're right. It's a different way to make it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, yeah so, like, th- we live in this world where you can be a micro celebrity. You know, it's like, j- like, from my example, like, the YouTuber that does videos about natural hair, that tells you how to make your own products and how to style your hair that you and I would never watch, that has a million subscribers, right? If 10% of her subscribers donate a dollar, she makes six figures, you know? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah, you know,
0: I, I mean, I was just thinking like a couple years ago, I, I was looking at the cable news figures, and Bill O'Reilly was number one, and he was getting like almost 3 million people a night, right? But that's still like 1% of the American population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you're the king of cable news, you're getting one percent of the population. Like so it just it it really relativizes like things like audience and connection and 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 who yeah, I think but and again, you're right though, maybe the opportunity is you could be a microcaster versus a broadcaster.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like you be the best renaissance polka band in the world, you know, and like you can you'll have a good enough following to sustain you. You know, it's not you. I, I think like the the best strategy now and what people honestly want is they want you to be the best fish in the small pond. Like don't try to be like the, the, top, the top of the food chain in the ocean. You know, if that happens to you, that's great if you want that to happen to you. But you'll be way more successful if you just be yourself and be authentic and be a, a service to like a, a tight knit community.
0: Brian, where can people subscribe to Full Belly Laughs? I guess uh, anywhere podcasts.
1: Yeah, podcasts. Anywhere you can listen to a podcast, Full Belly Laughs should be available. We're even on Laughable, which is like this cool new app for iOS that uh, if you listen to this show on there or if you listen to Full Belly Laughs, you can search people that are on podcasts and find out all the other podcasts they've been on.
0: That's amazing.
1: It is amazing. It's very cool. Uh, I'm very happy to have Full Body Laughs a part of that app, so I like to like, give them a shout out when I can. But all you right, can laughable. listen, you can listen. Sorry, yeah, Laughable. I just spoke over you. Uh, you can listen to Full Body Laughs on any podcast app. You can also listen to it uh, through your bla- browser on fullbodylaughs.com, and uh, you know Full Body Laughs for all the social medias.
0: And where uh, where can people go hear you soon?
1: Uh, the I perform the show monthly, uh, the second Thursday. Of every month at seven thirty at the Philly Improv Theater. It's at like Twentieth and Sansom. It's right across the street from Helium. It's right by Shake Shack. Should you do
0: a live show?
1: Yeah, we do this. We do the podcast live. Uh, it's very similar to what you would hear uh, listening to like a studio recording. Uh, the only difference is that we make sure to like include the audience in the games. So if I'm the person that would decide who gets a point in categories, like we leave it up to the audience to like cheer for which ones they like, and uh, everyone on the show like brings some kind of gift. Uh, to add to like our prize box situation and all the panelists play for someone in the audience so you can win cool stuff. Uh, We've given out like Chromecasts and color printers and all kinds of fun stuff.
0: Wow, you're like Oprah. You get a color, yeah. You get a Chromecast. You get a color printer.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and you doing any stand up shows anytime? Soon? Um
1: taking a small break from stand up. I'll be back. I'll be at Helium, uh, probably in like the beginning of June, but no dates to like plug at the moment. If you just if you follow Full Body Laughs, I cross promote any of like my personal s- stuff on there. So. I'm way more active of Full Belly Laughs than I am like my personal Twitter or something. So that's the place to keep up on me.
0: <laughs> full Belly Laughs. there's Brian, thank you so much it's for a, thank being you, a guest.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. This was amazing.
0: Thanks for listening to Give and Take. If you liked what you heard, please do a couple things for me. They are so helpful if you do them. Share this interview on social media or via email or tag someone in a tweet or something. And say, hey, this is great Check it out Spread the love and goodness If you've found it here Also, if you could go Please, please, please It takes like 60 seconds Go to iTunes and write a review And give a, give a rating to the podcast It really, really helps Especially as things are getting off the ground And please do check out Full Belly Laughs It is a place where Brian Durkin will make you laugh maybe your life needs a little more laughter whose doesn't thanks again and until next time fare thee well